In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. I didn't mean to throw you for, for a loop on that one, Ken. The, um, all of us are leaders at some level, and leadership matters. And the question is, how do we become better leaders? That is something we started last week on a sermon series that we're looking at for a number of weeks, where the main premise behind the sermon series that we're doing is that Jesus was not just somebody who taught great stuff about the moral life, who taught um, aspects about how you have a relationship with God, but he was also a great leader. And that we can go and look at the life of Jesus and ask the questions of what kind of example, what kind of role model, what kind of things does he teach us about being leaders? That's what we're doing with this uh, sermon series. And last week, as we started out, we kind of went to what uh, some leadership scholars call self-awareness piece of this, where we talked about identification and what we're trying to accomplish and motivation. That's what we talked about last week. And if you weren't with us, you can catch that online through our, through our media center that's online. And today, as I mentioned last week, a lot of the things that we're looking at as we look at Jesus's life are little vignettes where we can learn something from either his teaching or what he did that instruct us about how to be better leaders. And so there are lots of little ones. And today I want to do um, three of these because we clip along, you know, with, the, with uh, the schedule that we're on today. And the first one of these may be the first most basic thing about being a leader, and it has to do with teams and thinking about what it means to be a leader. Part of what it means is that you've got a team. You've got somebody that you're leading as part of what it is to be a leader, but also along with that, a team that is supporting you, that's helping you in, in what you're doing. And without, of course, without somebody following you, you're not really a leader, right? I mean, like that's part of the deal. You got somebody following you, but, but you need both of these things. And we've, again and again, we see that teams are more effective than individuals in the long haul. We know this. And certainly we see that modeled by Jesus because Jesus has these things that his ministry and his mission he's going to do. And it's all going to start for him by calling a team. As we heard today, as we read from that passage from Mark, he's got these 12 that he's prayed about. I'll say more about that in a bit. And that he's selected and called and they hear that vision and a call immediately. Like, and they, come, they go and they follow him. And it's, um, it's this powerful thing. So everything we see him do, from the time he enters public ministry all the way to the end, he's doing with teams. You can see that. I mean, from the foot of the cross to where he starts, he's always doing that. And we see the same thing with Paul as he does his mission trips. I think there's something, if you count it up, there's something like seven different people that we read about that Paul travels with. He's always doing the same kind of um, team kind of oriented thing. And this is nothing new. I mean, in, in the sense in the business world, we, we know these kinds of things as we think of leadership in business or in your personal life, whatever you're doing, that the importance of teams and, and working as a team and collaborating. I think it's interesting. When I, I read something the other day that was talking about um, Steve Jobs when they were starting Pixar, there was discussion that they were going to build three different buildings. This is back in the mid-90s. But they were going to build a building that was just going to be for the animators, a building that was just going to be for the computer uh, programmers, and, you know, for the other part of the crew, they were going to have three different buildings. And he, he eventually said no. They bought one huge building that used to be a Del Monte plant that had just one massive room. They call it the atrium. And then they went beyond that and they put everything in the center where everybody had to always be 
running into each other and, and what have you so that there would be more collaboration, more um, coincidence where people would, would work things out. And I think that's oftentimes, too, we, not only do we get great collaboration, but we get some affirmation, at least in the ministry context, when we build teams around things. Because oftentimes the way it works on the ministry side is God will give somebody a vision or a call to, go to something to do, and then the next step is to see if others share that vision. And the team comes around that. That's certainly what we see how Jesus modeled it. I know in the past, I've seen this done in, in just tremendously powerful ways where people have a clear vision that they feel from God. They've shared it with others who say, we perceive that same thing. And then they get a strong team together and away they go. Oftentimes that's the way it is. So that's one aspect I think we see Jesus modeling for us is the importance of teams. But there's another part about this I don't know that we always think about. And that's the importance of having a team that supports you, embraces you, and encourages you. I saw where uh, this one pastor who had been a Green Beret talking on this, where he, he talked about how, at least in the Green Berets, they would have a battle buddy, somebody that would be like for scuba divers, it'd be like your dive buddy, but it, somebody that's going to be helping you, watching over you, y'all are working as a, as a team as you go out into battle and getting somebody that has enough wherewithal to carry you off the field if, if that's what's needed. I wonder how many of us have that. I know for me, I've got a, a couple people that are in that category. I've got one friend that I just think of who for the last 15 years, we've had lunch every month. He knows what's going on. He knows what, where I'm hurting. He, he knows how to pray for me and I for him. And it's a great um, encouragement. And so I think as we look at Jesus, we see him do that. And it, again, it's a reminder for us to lean into that if we're going to be strong leaders. But you see Jesus on the night when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, usually when we get into Holy Week and we're looking at that, we've got so many things going on, we don't maybe stop and really dwell on how rough it was for him. Physically, yes. Emotionally, though, thinking in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, one of the passages talks about how he's sweating blood. He knows that all the ugliness and sin of the world is going to come on his shoulders. He knows that's coming. And on top of that, he's being betrayed. And he knows the physical harm that's about to head his way. And what's he do? He turns to his inner circle, Peter, James, and John, and he just wants them to come and support him. Just come and be with me. Just watch. It's not that they need to give advice or that he's looking for particular words from him, but he needs this team, this inner team that's supporting him, just being with him and encouraging him that way. And if Jesus needs it and models it for us, I want to suggest if we're going to be the best leaders we can be, we want to have the same kind of thing working in our lives, that we want to have that uh, same kind of team going. The second thing that I want to pull out from Jesus' life today to, to think about being a great leader is one I don't think we ever think of very much, and that is the role of solitude for leaders. As a leader, you're going to be, out, as we said earlier, you're going to be out in front of people. You're going to be helping with a team, either even if it's behind the scenes. You're always engaging and working with people. And all that's super important. But how important is it to have this time where you can have a conversation and reflection yourself? And we certainly see that Jesus modeled that for us in lots of different ways. I think about um, if you look at just a number of different events in Jesus's life, think about when he's getting ready to go start his public ministry. He goes off and spends 40 days in the desert. Or when he's uh, about to call the 
12 disciples. And he's trying to figure out all of that. He spends time away before he does that as well. Or when he learns that John the Baptist is dead, he gets off in a boat and gets off to get some solitude. Or even when something good happens, you know, like um, the feed, after the feeding of 5,000, you see that he has a time where he needs to go off and he needs to spend some time on his own. I mentioned him last week because um, it's fun to have a business guru who's also a Christian who speaks into this some. But Ken Blanchard um, writes on Jesus and leadership, and it's a, it's a pretty good book if you want to read it. It's called Leadership Lessons um, of Jesus. But he talks about this as well. And he says this. He says, when, when Jesus was preparing to lead, needed to make important decisions, grieving, dealing with praise and recognition, Jesus modeled for us the value of spending time alone to stay on track with God. You can see him do it in lots of different places. I'm going to read one passage of Scripture. This is from Luke 5. It says, Now news about Jesus spread, and even more crowds came to hear him and to be healed. But Jesus, Jesus often slipped away to be alone so that he could pray. We get, you'll see it again and again as you read through the Gospels, how often you see that. He slipped away to be alone and to pray, or he got up while it was still dark so he could go and pray. He needs it. We need it. I think if we're going to be the best leaders we can be. And I want to suggest that we have it worse today than ever because of all of our devices. And I was thinking about this. I saw um, an article. It was actually an interview that was by, uh, with an MIT professor, um, a woman named Sherry Turkle. And she studies these kinds of things there. And um, she's, she said this, I do some of my field work at stop signs and checkout lines at supermarkets. Give people even a second, and they're doing something with their phone. Every bit of research says people's capacity to be alone is disappearing. What can happen is that you lose that moment to have a daydream or to cast an eye inward. Instead, you look to the outside. Solitude is the precondition of having a conversation with yourself. This capacity to be with yourself and discover yourself is a bedrock of development. That's what she says. I'm going to say it's maybe the bedrock, too, of leadership. And we're less leaders if we don't do it. I also think about um, a number of years ago, I think I quoted this in a sermon once before, but um, how George Schultz, the Secretary of State back in the Reagan days, um, he talked about how vital it was for him when he's being pulled a million directions all over the world, how every week he had just one hour that he called the Schultz Hour. And he, during that time, he told his assistant, block everything. The only two people could access him during that hour, his wife or the President of the United States. He wanted one hour that was not tactical. It was just to, basically to meditate and to think about strategy. But all the different things that come from the, this, of having time to step out of it and have some solitude and have some time to think and maybe meditate on what, what's next, God, for us as Christians, what's next? Where are you in this kind of situation? Well, the, the final thing I want to mention today is uh, a fun one also. And it, it's to th look at how Jesus makes part of his leading um, the importance of recharging. And you can see that uh, Jesus does this. Of course, um, we see it in lots of different places in Scripture. But if he needs it, we need it. Because leadership, at whatever level we do it, can be very draining, whether it's leading Kids in a household or leading an organization, it can drain you. 
and we're more effective than on these studies. We're more effective and better if we do some great rest and relaxation. And of course, it is the fourth commandment. We talked about it last summer. And I'm always amazed, myself included, how we can read the commandments and we can get don't murder and don't commit adultery and all these things and be not do those and be very serious about those. And then we just get to the fourth and we, we just take it very lightly. And if we don't schedule it or put it in, work it in, it just won't happen on its own because it's so tempting, at least for me, to say, well, just one more hour of this or let me finish that one thing so that I can complete that off my list this week and blow off the call to have some deep rest because it, it makes you a better leader, but it's also a part of how we, how we honor God um, with what we do. I heard recently a, uh, a saying that I liked that gave a, a three-part formula for doing this. It was uh, the idea that we should, it was a little cute little saying, so it stuck with me, but it's a good memory tool, uh, divert daily is part of what we do, uh, that we um, get lost for a little bit every week, so we, um, we check out once a week, and then we abandon annually. So this idea that you do all of those and divert daily is just have one thing that's fun for you every single day, whether it's time at the gym or whether it's some hobby you have, have something every single day that's a mini Sabbath within that day. But then, of course, following it to the commandment uh, of Sabbath, of having weekly, a weekly withdrawal. I couldn't think of the W. (laughs) Did y'all get that? A weekly withdrawal, (laughs) a pulling away for one day a week. And then having an annual time where you just, where you completely unplug for at least a week of time as something that is never a waste of time because it makes you a better leader. It's something Jesus modeled. It's something that God calls us to in the Big Ten. It's something that we need to do on so many different levels. If we keep following Jesus and looking at his leadership, we'll become better leaders. We can see him do that today with teams they get stuff done in teams that support. We see him do that today as we think about him doing that with solitude, and we think about how he models that in finding rest in our world. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we give you thanks that you, you call us on a journey um, as your disciples that begins with baptism. And on this road, you call us to lead. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us in every way to look at Jesus as a model, as one who teaches us right and wrong and teaches us rhythms of grace, but also teaches us great ways to lead. Help us in that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.